It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are very excited to be joined by Chris Smalls, the founder and president of the new Amazon Labor Union. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. How you doing? We're, well, we're doing really well. We're talking about your success, and I was excited to report that um, you've said since your victory in Staten Island, 100 facilities, different facilities around the country, workers have reached out to your union to um, see what they can do in their own workplaces. And so I am just, I'm really excited to talk to you. So thank you for, for joining us. Um, Absolutely. So is that what happened? I, I mean, that was not even supposed yeah. to be my first question, but we were just talking about it. So is 100 facilities around the country? Well, we, that was a few days ago, actually. Oh. I can tell you now, we, we've been contacted by every building in the country already. Um, wow. For sure. And uh, the list grows every day. So, yeah, this is uh, this happening. That is incredible. Okay, can, can we go back to the beginning? Yes, go back. You, you beginning. were... You were uh, fired by Amazon for protesting unsafe conditions. Can can you talk about what kind of conditions were you seeing your fellow workers being forced to work in? What was what was the issue that made you stand up and say, "Wait, this isn't right"? At for at the very first. Yeah, absolutely. I was fired in 2020 when the pandemic started. Um, I let a walk out over COVID-19 at the same facility that we just unionized in Staten Island. Um, I was a supervisor at Amazon for four and a half years. I opened up three buildings. Um, I started entry level in 2015, opened up a building in New Jersey, and then um, I worked there for about two years and transferred to BDL2 in Connecticut. And then ultimately, uh, JFK in Staten Island was my last facility, 2018, all the way up to 2020. I led the walkout. Um, you know, I led it over... COVID-19 because as a supervisor, I was told in the meeting with upper management not to tell the entry-level workers underneath me that somebody was in the building positive. Oh, no. Um, so, you know, I couldn't stand with that. That was pretty no. much uh, that was on the cake for me to, uh, you know, and inform the workers and tell them the truth. You know, at the time, at the height of the pandemic, New York City was the epic center of mm-hmm. the world. You know, people were dying over here every 15 minutes at the time. We had no PPE, we had no facial masks, we had no cleaning supplies, and, um, you know, we had no social distancing. And uh, people at my job was getting sick every day. You know, every day I seen different flu-like symptoms, you know, from dizziness, fatigue, from um, people not being able to finish a 10-hour shift. And it was very airy in the building. So that's when I decided to take my stance and, um, you know, they terminated me after I let that walk out. And did they that, did know, they say that they were terminating you for leading the walkout or did they try to put something else on you? No, they tried to say that I violated the same policies that I was fighting for, which didn't exist right. at the time. You know, they said that huh. I violated a social distancing policy and quarantine policy that nobody ever saw. Wow. So once you, once you're fired and and you you obviously 
made a decision not just to you know be like i'm gonna move on from this and you know go work for another company or do something else you you decided to to now organize on the grassroots and in a lot of ways i think your success has been a good sort of teaching moment for folks who are doing this in other other companies because you did a lot of different things that worked better than what historically folks tried to do um, in forming unions. So can you talk about what happened once you were fired and when you made the decision to continue your efforts um, and start meeting with people, start you know having these conversations so that people can come to their own sort of light bulb moments? Because that's the piece here where I feel like you were able to get people to come around on their own <laughs> in a lot of instances. Um, and, yeah. and that sort of collective grassroots power is what makes this moment so unique. Yeah, absolutely. You know, after uh, I was fired um, about a week or two later, that's when um, a leak memo came out from uh, Jeff Bezos and his general counsel, David Sapolsky, who called me in this meeting, which was a smear campaign, uh, pretty much, uh, to smear me, they they called me not smart or articulate, and too ironically, they said to make me the face of the whole unionizing effort because they'd be in a better PR position than to answer questions about the health and safety of their workers. And Jeff Bezos at the time was the richest man in the world. Um, he was making uh, eighty-eight billion dollars at the time, thirteen billion dollars a day, and to have that memo leak to the public, you know, and obviously leak out to me. Um, you know, that motivated me to continue to fight because I felt that was just obviously borderline, if not racist. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I thought that was a good idea, you know, to continue to fight and unionize. So what I did was I spent about a year traveling the country, protesting in front of Jeff Bezos' mansions and penthouses all across, all across the country. And while I was traveling, I was... uh you know, building with the workers on the ground, different facilities, different locations, until we came back home uh, about 11 months ago and decided to unionize the facility that we did in Staten Island. And, um, you know, I just felt that uh, having a union, something that will protect people so that what happened to me won't happen to them. And, um, you know, we were able to be successful on April 1st. Yeah. Yeah, and and you were you were successful in the face of like unprecedented opposition. Nobody else has ever been successful doing this, and they came after you quite personally. So, uh, telling telling Amazon workers that you're gonna buy a Lamborghini with all of their union dues. So I just I just want to like, at how many bedrooms does your house have at this point? How many cars have you purchased? Like, are we rolling in it yet? Nah, I'm more of a Ferrari guy. You know, they don't <laughs> God knows those union dues are going to take care of you. No, but but talk about these consultants because I think I think this might be the first time that the curtain's getting pulled back for a lot of folks about how these union busting activities actually work. Yeah. So talk yeah. about like talk about what you were up against in the immediate fight leading up to leading up to the formation of the union. Like, what did Amazon throw at you to try to stop you? Yeah, they threw everything. Um, you know, I was arrested a few weeks ago just for giving out food to the workers. Um, Whoa. You know, I was, uh, you know, obviously subjected to uh, the union busting that they spend millions of dollars on. You know, these these uh, union busters, they get paid anywhere between 3000 to $10,000 a day 
to put workers into captive audiences, which is classes where basically they drill anti-union propaganda into their head every single day, every 20 minutes. They were bringing different groups of workers in the building. Um, they had signs all over the, the bathrooms, the restroom, the, the break rooms. Um, pretty much they, they plastered the whole entire building with anti-union propaganda, telling everybody to vote no, vote no, vote no. Um, you know, besides the intimidation factor as well, um, you know, workers were definitely uh, torn between the two. As you've seen our results. The election, um, you know, even though we won uh, by 5%, you know, over 500 votes, it was still very close because mm-hmm. a lot of workers were just given misinformation for several weeks that they didn't know what to believe. And, you know, that's what also we were up against is like the lies and the, and the rumors that they were spread. Like you mentioned, the Lamborghini, um, you know, trying to make me a millionaire or um, just having no experience, they try to use these things against us, saying this union has no experience. We're a third party. Um, you know, we're nothing but Black Lives Matter protesters. Uh, we're nothing but a bunch of thugs. Um, you name it, they said it in there, and they still continue to do so. And, you know, we had to defeat all of those odds. What are some of the lies that they tell the workers that are effective? Hmm. The most lie, you know, the most successful lie was mostly around the dues. You know, they uh, they try to make it seem like we're we're um, once again a third party, even though we're actual Amazon workers who formed this union. They try to make it seem like we were a third party that was trying to take money away from these workers. Um, right. And obviously, when you hear that, you know, you're making you know eighteen dollars, and you hear about somebody that's a third party trying to take. Uh, union dues, you're you're obviously going to be uh, resentful for that. You're not going to want to get on board because you're like, I'm not even making enough money to really sustain the lifestyle now. Somebody digging digging into my uh, my pocket, you know, that's not what I want to get in, on board with. So people don't understand. You don't pay union dues until a contract is signed, which can take, you know, obviously we're in a contract right now. It could take another year to even get to the contract. So without them getting the right information, they believe that after we won the election, like the next day, union dues are going to just come out of their paycheck. Right. So we had to like explain and educate people on how this process worked, and then ultimately we were able to, you know, obviously defeat that as well. So what happens next? What what? How does the contract process work? I'm your fight's not over, even even with this massive victory. Right. This is really just the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. uh, winning the election was one thing, but now the contract fight is the real fight because Amazon's obviously not going to want to sit down uh, with the they Amazon have labor. Probably a lot of lawyers. Oh, I can tell you they do. They have, <laughs> <laughs> they got quite a few multi million dollar lawyers, you know, compared to our one pro bono lawyer. Um, you know, it, it's still, once again, David versus Goliath. And, um, you know, we got some Calvary coming now. The, the fact that we won is, is going to be uh, uh, helpful because a lot of lawyers, obviously, in the country want to get involved with this, uh, this fight as well. So we have uh, quite a few to choose from now that can help us out. But, yeah, this process can take anywhere from six months to a year. Uh, the company uh, is probably going to start try to stall out um, because they know that's the best option for them. But it, 
you know, we are going to prepare on our side. We're going to prepare a contract, and we're going to propose it to the company as soon as possible. But at the same time, we also have to uh, prepare for our next election, which is actually in two weeks. We have another election on April 25th. And talk about of... that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talk about that. Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, LDJ5, which is right across the street from JFK, is a sortation center. Um, it's not as big. You know, JFK had 8,300 workers. LDJ5 has about 1,600 workers. So uh, if we're successful, this will be the first sortation center in America that we are unionized. Wow. So this is also historical. And, um, you know, right now we're walking and chewing bubblegum at the same time. We're, we're preparing this contract. We're bringing in more lawyers. And we're also um, preparing for another election. So right now, as we speak, you know, I have folks outside of that building that are uh, organizing and signing people up to commit the vote, yes, for this election as well. One of the things that people are talking about in this particular moment is the sort of, I guess, the the excitement and the sort of momentum in the labor movement has been impacted by this pandemic. I mean, I think that's evidenced by your own experience. Um, so many workers in the pandemic were out at work in the pandemic, but without all of the safety and PPE, as you said. And so um, the way we're treating workers and um, their safety, I th- just think it's top of mind for so many more people than it was prior to to COVID. Um, in terms of um, the victories that you've you've already had and and sort of the the pathway you have um, to be able to do this, do you think that um, it's going to grow? in moment like do you think you're you're just i mean you said it's just the beginning but do you think that's also true um in terms of influencing and impacting workers at other companies obviously there's also the you know parallel story that's happening with starbucks franchises um in arizona and also um i believe in upstate new york um trying to to unionize as well um is this is this a new moment, like a new resurgence of the labor movement? You think? Yeah, absolutely. I I definitely uh, believe that is what we're witnessing right now. Um, you know, Starbucks, as you mentioned, yeah, they've been um, trailblazing across the country, and um, you know, I I hope that uh, this victory is also the catalyst for um, a revolution, really, um, for Amazon workers and not just Amazon workers. Because I've been getting emails from, um, yeah, workers from other industries. I just received a phone call from somebody from another industry right before, um, you know, I got on the line with you guys. Um, you know, people are calling from different uh, corporations, Walmart, Target, Dollar General. Um, I got emails from workers that want to unionize no matter what industry they're in. So, um, with their when they're witnessing what they witnessed on April first was ordinary people, you know, coming together and forming something at Amazon, and now it, it it's just encouraged them to uh, want to do the same thing in their workplaces. So I think you're going to see a lot more of this, um, and I'm happy to uh, you know once again be a part of this resurgence of the labor movement because that's exactly what this is. Do you feel like? like your success can be replicated in these other industries. I mean, you, you're naming the 
the behemoths that I sort of feel like there's there's no point even in going up against. They're too big, they're too rich. There's nothing we can do. Like, do you feel like your success is something that other folks across the country can replicate? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't, you know, obviously we they won't be able to do exactly what we did to get to this point. You know, we we had a, a tough journey and we had to learn. We had some bumps and bruises on the way, but um the the bottom line is is that it's not a it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. You know, you gotta understand that, you know, even when you get knocked down on certain days or uh setbacks on certain days when organizing, uh you have to just continue to push through and persevere. So, um, you know, I just think that uh we showed people the blueprint that it doesn't matter how rich and powerful the, co- the corporation is. As long as the people stay together, we're the ones who bring in the revenue. You know, we don't go to work. The billionaires don't get rich. You know, people got to realize their value. And I think that's what happened in the middle of the pandemic. You know, they deemed us all essential workers without really taking a mm-hmm. fine look at the list. You know, everybody was an essential worker. Everybody had, was forced to go to work. Um, but on our, our job applications didn't say to work in the middle of a pandemic. It said to have a high school diploma a GED, and lift 50 pounds, that's it. So we had to realize that, you know, we're not here to make billionaires rich. We're here to take care of one another. And when you take care of one another and form a union, um, it's, it's easier to realize the value of your work because you're, you're, it's strength in numbers, right? And I think people are realizing that, you know, what we, what we showed them on April 1st, they can absolutely do in their workplace. So, you know, this is this is uh, once again, I believe, the catalyst for a revolution. It's so powerful to hear you say that in this particular moment, because I think a lot of people in the pandemic, I mean, whether it be the labor movement resurgence, the racial reckoning is not it's not a coincidence um, that, that happened in the middle of this pandemic. Um, what we saw in the summer of 2020. Um, it's not a coincidence that a lot of these movements are building. Um, in this moment, because I think the pandemic just exposed it took the it took away sort of that that layer of um, that that obscured the truth. Right. You know, the, right. the billionaires sort of rely upon us not being able to see the truth. They're sitting on their yachts, hoping we don't realize that the little bit of, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, chump change is trickling down on our heads while they watch soccer on their yacht next to their yacht. Um, <laughs> and uh and you know it doesn't have to be this way it doesn't right 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 <laughs> do you ever expect or or hope that you, like you've had a lot to say to jeff bezos is there a future where you're going to you're going to be across the table from him at some point cuz i would really really love to see that <laughs> and i get that <laughs> question all the time but you know I, I don't think that me and him are the same you know He's cut from a different cloth. I'm cut from a different cloth. Yeah, you know, and, clearly. And, um, I don't think he will want that conversation with me. You know, it just, <laughs> it just wouldn't. It would be awkward. <laughs> but you know what? You know what? Though sometimes those awkward convers, it's okay to be for it to be awkward. That man needs to sit in his uncomfortable. He needs to sit. You know what? I oh, think yeah, that part well, of the problem is he, 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 he's not uncomfortable. That's the problem. He's too absolutely. comfortable all the time. <laughs> That's true, but I can guarantee he, he he's thought about me a lot in the last two years. So 
I love that. That makes that honestly that warms my heart. Like it's like I just looked right. at a picture of a puppy thinking about Jeff Bezos thinking about you. Oh man. Love that. <laughs> so good. That's just beautiful. Chris Smalls, founder and president of the Amazon Labor Union. Thank you so much um, for doing that and uh, and for joining us this morning. <laughs> Absolutely, anytime. Appreciate Thank you. So much. Really, yeah. really appreciate you. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening.